Joshua Michael out there. We're uh, going to record a Star Trek. How are you doing, man? I'm freezing my ass off, man, but I'm loving it. It was one degree uh, when <laughs> I was on the way to work today, and everyone was just complaining like crazy, and I'm like, this is Colorado. This is what we're supposed to be doing. It's just fine. Just drive safe on the roads, <laughs> stay away from other drivers. The problem with uh, driving in Colorado is that most people aren't from here, and ev- oh, yeah. everyone is driving in their own particular uh, dumbass ways from San Antonio, Houston, L.A. Uh, so those those <laughs> driving from San Antonio through Colorado the, it's a monster trip. Those uh, those people these uh, these immigrants. Um, I've been here for I've been here for seven years, so I now I declare myself a Coloradan, uh, even though my Sooner blood just runs so hot. Um, Gross. Just pe- <laughs> people the the uh, people's. They're from a bunch of different places, so their driving styles don't match, and it, it causes a lot of problems. To even think that anyone has a driving style uh, other than do it right, be safe, well, don't I mean, come into contact with other vehicles is scary to me, but it's it's true. People have a driving style. Yep. But yeah, we're going to yeah. do some Star Trek. I'm really excited about this, man. It's, I feel like we haven't done a Star Trek in yeah. a while. We had a oh, lot well, in the yeah, we. What, what? Yeah, we had some issues uh, trying to do one last week. Let's see here. Um, what is this? This is this is the nth degree. This is one of those like irreplicable episodes. Is that even a word? Irreplicable. Uh, I would say it was a more. Uh, I can keep using adjectives. It was irreverent. It was irreverent. <laughs> no, I'm not so sure about that's that. That's not. It's not. That's not the right word at all. It's more like I, you I, can't. You just can't duplicate this. This is a. Uh, what I what I get antagonized about with a lot of Trek during the uh, Brandon and Branga showrunners era as the producers is that at a certain point their ideas were the ideas that were coming out of the writers' room and <clears throat> it felt like okay hey so Deep Space Nine we need an episode that's uh, we need an episode blah 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 okay hey, let's do let's do this one again let's do that one again and. For whatever reason, I mean, you can kind of pull that crap from the original series to Next Generation, and maybe people weren't really going to remember it when you had that much content, because statistically, a lot of people might not remember it. But then uh, it's too fresh when you're redoing, what, like Children of Time or something like that, and uh, from Deep Space Nine into then into Enterprise and then whatever else. Well, and. Uh, so I, this episode's one of those where they never tried it again, and it's awesome for that. I think this was definitely one of those vacation episodes that they probably worked on when they got a little burnt out on a little bit more of this more serious content. Uh, I'm not saying this is uh, well. If they had gone any further, this this episode would have come off kind of wacky. Um, but they they got right to the borderline, and it came off as something special in my mind, especially because getting to see Lieutenant Bark is it Lieutenant or 
Um, I dare say he's a junior grade lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barclay. And we were discussing this earlier. Just his name alone uh, entices the 80s shithead at school in me that like the, the name Barclay <laughs> was like the name of a guy that no one really knew what to do. No one really hated him, but no one really like liked him because he was just a little too uh different for his own good uh, also by the way and i i remember being the same way and that's one of the reasons why i really like the guy is that you really don't know what to do with the guy he's he can be trusted in dire situations but when it's not in a dire situation it seems like he's just kind of you know screwing around yeah well it's you know is he screwing around or is he he has all of these person. He has all these personal foibles, 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 and uh, he uh, he's one of the guys on the ship that definitely, definitely needs the assistance of a counselor. And um, I think that you know you had that first episode. It was like, well, who's going to have a holodeck addiction out of these people? <laughs> None of them. None of these characters. These characters are all too awesome to have a holodeck addiction. So we have to make up a new character that can have a problem like that. And there you have it. So Lieutenant Barkley is is generated. And then they were like, well, we really loved having Dwight Schultz here. And he was a really great character. So let's try to find another opportunity to put him in there. And they just couldn't figure out how to do it. And pow, here it was. I love- let's let's stick him in in this episode and make him the genius because everybody's already out of control smart. But I could you know like it's crazy. You get one or two episodes where it's where it's take this character and take them completely out of their element. Doctor Crusher being stuck in a static warp bubble, or uh, Lieutenant Worf being trapped in all these different parallel universes. Jordy or Data would figure it out in five minutes, but. I think that's the thing. Like, I, I dig that Ensign Rowe, when we watched uh, uh, the next phase, that was the thing. Like, Ensign Rowe and uh, Jordy, it took them a while to figure it out. But honestly, I'm going to say it was because Ensign Rowe had a completely different take on how things were. So, like, having having Barkley, it's like, who else would we do this with? Well, you could stick Worf in this situation and make him an ultra genius and no one would expect it. But it's more fun to do it with Dwight Schultz. I wonder if this role was written especially for him. Like they had an idea and then one of the writers or showrunners or whoever was in charge was like, you know, Dwight Schultz would absolutely knock this out of a park, out of the park. And uh, another thing that comes to mind, and I don't know if this is just me reaching in terms of theory, is that this is like, okay, so this is the early 90s, tail end of the 80s. Um, in terms of like it started in late eighties and around that turn, the guys that were getting work were the big beefcakes, like an older gentleman that's balding was probably struggling really hard to find, uh, you know, even, you know, even character work. Does, does that make sense? You know, like, cause we, yeah, we yeah. were just talking about renegade and, you know, they just, you know, stick some, you know, hunky guy, you know, to borrow the parlance of the early nineties or late eighties, uh, you know, that, the the super hunk and no he, he's he's not a super hunk he's a crazy wacky guy that most people only really recognize from the a team right um, right even like you know you and i can usually pull things straight out uh in 
randomly remember someone's some actor's name like eight different obscure things they've been in because we've watched so much television and movies but i can't think of anything else that uh dwight schultz has been in other than the a-team in, in star trek oh you know what's crazy is like matt frewer i constantly get matt frewer and dwight, dwight schultz mixed all up. the time and 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 it's yeah it's yeah what can you do and when you mentioned this episode you, I immediately thought, oh yeah, I just rewatched that one. Uh, yeah, Matt uh, Frew when he was the imposter. Exactly. Yeah. When oh man, Burling off for some use in, uh, yeah, I would just. I had no. That was the first thing that popped in my head. I had no idea. I I just learned this like a month ago, and I feel like an idiot. I had no idea Matt Frewer was Max Headroom. Hmm. I knew that for a long, long time, and um. Uh, and forgot about it, but like, I'm trying to recall if I picked this up. Uh, probably not because I was feeling really tight. Uh, but I, uh, uh, Max Headroom was recently re-released on DVD as a complete series. Nice. You might still be able to find it on uh, sale at Walmart, but um, I think it was retailing in about twenty bucks or something like that. Uh, but Worth I did it. not. Uh, I I don't know that I actually picked up a copy of that. But that is neither here nor there when it comes to Dwight Schultz. Yeah. Um. He's a special actor, and he can knock it out of the park. And I'm glad. I I, I hope he's oh. still getting work. I don't know. Like, well, well. During <clears throat> the ep- one of the best. Let me tell you this: the one of the best things I ever saw him in was Fat Man and Little Boy about the Manhattan Project to develop the atomic bomb. He played a very romantic Robert Oppenheimer. Oh my. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Never it had, even heard uh, of it. Oh, dude. I've got it on DVD. I watch it every, I don't know, maybe every two years. Uh, Paul Newman was um, uh, General Leslie Groves, who was the military man in charge of the Manhattan Project. And he got Robert Oppenheimer to get the uh, scientists together. And he got all these impressive minds. Uh, and then ju- this was an, this was a... I'm going to call this one of the formative John Cusack movies post-Savage Steve Holland uh, because he suddenly wanted to be taken seriously as an actor instead of a comedic teen type. And so he and Laura Dern were uh, were a uh, star-crossed lovers in this movie. And then, uh, oh gosh, I'm struggling here. Bonnie Bedelia, who Ooh. I worked with three years ago on a movie... Um, Bonnie Bedelia was in that too, as uh, Oppenheimer's wife. Dude, it is a really impressive movie, and uh, your dad being who it is, who he is, I get a copy of that. Sit down and watch that with him. Yeah, Dwight Schultz will change. You'll be, you'll be look all of the like. Mm, wow, look at his acting savvy that you see in this episode comes out big time in that movie because he is. Exactly in that movie, what what Barkley becomes in this episode. Well, they certainly certainly show his acting chops very well in this episode. I mean, like we started off with like, is that like kind of like a Scarlet Pimpernel reference we're about to start getting into right away? Or is that more of a Three Musketeers? Um, I don't recall off the top of my head. I feel like I rewatched this a few months ago and... um Man, I just, I don't right. remember. I don't remember. Yeah, we'll get into it. We'll we'll see it. It's I think it's first up, isn't it? 
It's first up. Now, uh, we've had it oh, queued up. it's Roxanne. I'm sorry. It's Roxanne. Right. We've had it, uh, just to make sure, we've had it queued up, hit play and then hit pause so it refreshes, because every time... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. We, it's one of those Netflix things. I'm actually going to go ahead and record this with a modicum of sound. Uh, my apologies to anybody that is working for CBS Viacom or something like that and is like, oh, we're going to get you. Uh no, I'm not trying to we're not trying to broadcast this. We're trying to create a commentary um track to watch over the episode, but for I mean, timing sequences and my personal enjoyment, I'm actually going to have some of the sound on. An intelligent alternative to Mystery Science Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> I'm going to say though, I watch I don't remember what it was. There was one really dippy episode of that and I, I'm not going to say I don't that I don't like MST3K, but uh, I, there was there I, I I don't get to watch it much, and I don't have a problem with it. I just remember them. <laughs> there's some scientists talking in the in the thing that they were riffing, and they were just like, "Oh well, I've got this degree. Well, I've got this degree. Well, blah 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 blah." And one of the one of the critters just went, "Well, no shit," <laughs> or "Whoopty shit." I don't know why it just cracked me up so hard. Okay, we're done with that. Uh, we're not riff tracking uh, TNG. No. So yeah, um, what the crap? Yeah, we're refreshing, and uh, I'm gonna try to get this to pause. So yeah, we're watching this on Netflix for all those wonderful reasons that we always comment on, not on Hulu. And um, I got my subtitles on. I'm ready when you're ready. Ready? Okay. Season four, episode nineteen, the nth degree. Uh, I will, um, you uh, stole my thunder the other day, so one, <laughs> two, three, engage. So not Scarlet Pimpernel. The, the no, ne- no, no, this is Roxanne. You remember uh, uh, that awful Steve Martin movie? I actually liked that one. Yeah. That that movie, no, because that's of course based on this play, and I, uh, he's this he's this ugly man with a gigantic nose, right? I thought that was the jerk. No, that's a different terrible Steve <laughs> Steve Martin movie. No, there's no Steve Martin movie that I'm not really into. I can't believe I got so heavily into like My Blue Heaven. Oh, I love that movie, but my favorite one is uh um uh, oh god. <sighs> I'll think of it in a second. He he's still a good looking man. He looks great with hair. I wonder how good his career would yeah. have been if he'd have had had hair. Hey man, I mean Patrick Stewart's career has been out outrageously good because uh when they brought him in for his casting session, I think he was forty and he didn't have much in the way of hair. Gene Roddenberry was like, How can we <laughs> look at David? Look how confused he <laughs> he's is perplexed. <clears throat> Bowfinger, that's uh, what it is. Bowfinger yeah, they brought uh, Patrick Stewart in, and, and they he said, well, you know, he's got some sci-fi backing. He was in Dune, and they was, all right, he can give a reading. And uh, he's like, well, he ha- he's got one thing. He's, he's wearing a rug, and he's like, he's bald? I can't have a bald captain of the Enterprise. And then <laughs> they... Uh, Roddenberry watched him in the rug and he was like, let's do it without it. Let's see what that looks like. And he was like, okay, we can have a bald captain. This guy's great. Was basically how it went. <laughs> this is this is basic theater geekism here. Uh, 
fallen in love with the girl you're acting with that you act, you have like one small tiny insignificant bit of human contact <laughs> yeah precisely oh. <laughs> fused why is everyone Look liking at Riker. this <laughs> because it's polite he's <laughs> like comic book guy in the simpsons worst roxanne performance ever <laughs> did you see i know <coughs> excuse me did you see Worf? he was just sitting there with his arms crossed <laughs> like like a like a, a parent having to sit through everyone else's kids at some dumbass play at school oh man I wonder if this is a redress of the transporter room. Something about it just feels claustrophobic. But no, I you know, it just really can't be now I think of it. it, it re- it's too spacious. It it immediately reminded me of the room where they hold the, the mini trials in. Um Oh yeah. It's the shape. Uh what the mini trials that yeah, the court martial and yeah. the uh the the hearing in um Oh, the one, you know, geez, we just did it. We just like did two, it. Um, a the, month uh, or two ago. The drum head. The drum head, yeah. Hmm. I gotta say, hey, that makeup on him is extraordinary. Yeah, they did a good job. Oh, those, man. Yeah, those wigs are, are big time money, because that is a, that is a, you, it, it looks real. Yeah. I can never tell how much of her hair is authentic or not. They do. She just has so much of it. And that's the crazy thing is like most of these performers on this show are wearing wigs. Even uh, her? And well, they probably like gave her extensions that just what just, you know, clipped into her existing hair. But Riker did have a wig, but he didn't need it though. Right. It's not that they needed a wig, it's that my God, you're coming in from wherever at four in the morning so you can go into makeup and so you can do your day. Uh, just throw a wig on them. This is the redress of 10 forward because of those doors. Um, yeah, so... Oh, the Argus Array. What a great model. So this harkens to, back to uh, Star, the, Star Trek The Motion Picture in the idea that you'd have like the Epsilon nine listening post or something. And, um, but for whatever reason, this is the Argus array as a, uh, sensor and like a long range telescope. Just it's all, it's, it seems it's got a malfunction here. It's going to show up again in an episode called parallels having malfunctions. There's just always something wrong with this thing. Oh my God! I had that model in my hands. The this is the uh, this probe, and then I dare say, oh, it was uh, something like two foot tall, and it had those tra- that translucent aspect. Because here in a second, it's gonna light up, and it's gonna have that kind of like cracked aspect to it. <clears throat> Yeah, look at look at how the the low level lighting coming out of that thing. It looks soft. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, they reuse this probe in Deep Space Nine as the pup 
if I'm not mistaken. I might I might be wrong. Like it's a it's a probe that's carrying a computer virus in that in that episode, and O'Brien has to deal with it. He calls it a pup. I do dig how he does have that little bit of quiet confidence, but still scared shitless that Jordy he's gonna screw up and Jordy's just gonna just hammer him. Yeah, he he's it got kinda, that entirely. The, that's the that's the crazy thing too, because you and I we've commented on this multiple times. If you're from any random planet that's in Star that's in the Federation and you want to join Starfleet, you've got to be the best of your planet. So if you're going to be on the flagship, you've got to be the absolute best of the best, and that is not Reginald Barkley. So it makes it difficult for these people to write for a character or for these characters because they're also fantastic, you know? They don't have these personal problems. But Jordy's always got a little problem with girls, you know, which is dumb because he... <clears throat> One day also gets some wacky flash like this. Oh, from John Doe. Like at the beginning of the fourth season or what it was like the last episode before Best of Both Worlds. And suddenly it's all over. Like Jordy had a lasting self-confidence boost for the rest of his life. And that was when he got to go out with Julie Warner. You remember that? When he met the woman that he had fell in love with in the holodeck that was one of the no, chief engineers. Different girl. <clears throat> different girl. This is uh um he okay, uh Julie Warner is the actress uh I think her name I think the character's name was Christy Henshaw, and she was the pseudo love interest for uh Chris Farley in Tommy Boy. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so she has she reprises her role uh, a little while later, like Jordy was trying to go out on dates with her and it wasn't working out. And they, they just, I, either he wasn't pushing hard enough for her to be like, yeah, we should totally, I don't know. You know, Jordy's just not going for it. And that's, that's a very real world problem. Like not knowing whether or not you need to push harder to get the, the romance to, to fire. And, um, or if you're going to push somebody away. And then there was that episode where the uh, they found the survivor of a crashed ship and Dr. Crusher fell for him, but he was going through a trans... It's called transfigurations. He's, he's, tra he's mutating into a higher being. And uh, at some point, he radiates something that hits Jordy, and they're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then when he wakes up, he's like, I feel great. And then you see him later, and he's like, hey, I don't know what you did, but... I like it and I appreciate it and it's working. And he's on a date with with uh, Julie Warner again. And you're like, what the heck? And they never said it went away. They never said there was anything wrong with it. It's just boom. So it's just that weird thing because like Jordy gets a dose of something that lasts the rest of his life. But uh, not Barkley. Not in this episode. He doesn't. He doesn't get his act together, you know? He's always a spaz. <clears throat> I just noticed, of course, that was uh, Ensign Jay in the background, the young woman that uh, Worf was talking to. She is a super frequently reoccurring uh, background performer. Background singer. But <laughs> you, you you never know uh, who your background singers are going to be. Um, 
Uh, Glenn Fry and uh, Don Henley oh, used, wow, yeah. used to be background singers for Linda Ronstadt and 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 instrumentists. You could also be a background dancer. You could be uh, J Lo, <laughs> J Lo, or Paula Abdul. I'd rather be a Glenn Fry. <laughs> oh, there's uh, Michael Braveheart. Nice. He is the. Uh, he is a frequently reoccurring, uh, I guess he's a nurse, or maybe he, he's probably an NP or something like that. Gosh, she really, she is perfect. She just delivers. What an expressive face. I love it when they go to Red Alert and they're not on the bridge. You know what I mean? I do. Because you got to. It's just like, oh, well, how does everybody re- react to going to Red Alert, you know? Let's do this. Stations. Yeah. Sorry, I'm making noise. I'm drinking my hot tea, everybody. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, look at look at Brent Spiner's hair. I mean, that's just totally unnatural. Get that perfect Riker quaff. Pretty much. It's, it's very, very hair, dry, hair, hair dried and That's, beautiful. That is moose and <clears throat> blow dryer and a brush. And that's totally a wig, I mean, for, for uh, Michael Dorn. His toilet bowl haircut? <laughs> kind of. It just gets longer and longer throughout the series. I, I, Remember how I short love it was I in season it. one and two? Yeah. Yeah. Anaya. Benson Anaya. So that's the four foot Enterprise model. When you can see that level of detail and like plates and stuff like that, right? As you could just barely pick up in the the way the light licked across it. The four foot model was way more detailed than the eleventh foot model. Let's just blast it out of the sky. Yeah, it's kind of sad. I always felt like they were kind of... Did, what What was the deal? We totally missed it just yapping and yapping. Like, what's it doing to them that they need to zap it? Well, they were, they were exploring that... Uh, not really wreckage, but that that space station. And, the array, yeah. And That's the, their array. And that thing mm-hmm. just came out of nowhere, and they went to go investigate, and it zapped uh, the, uh, the shuttle... No, I mean, I, I, I know what I, I'm saying. Like, why is the why is the probe following them? Because we know why, but why do they? They don't know why, and uh, what's it doing to them? Oh, that I see. They're like, no, we got to get rid of this thing. Well, it's like I don't know. In, in my mind, it reminds me of like when you're walking home from school and you see a a dog off its leash. You can either run away, and it'll ch- oh, it's overloading it'll the shield. chase That's you, what it's doing. or you can play yeah. it cool. <laughs> I think they're just like, we don't want it to come into contact with us. I think it was irradiating them. <clears throat> oh, it's already started with him. Yep. Oh my gosh, it's Saxon Trainer. I was just thinking more how he's about to go full-blown lawnmower man on this. Yeah. Easy. I absolutely love that actress. Uh, she's only in like two episodes of Next Generation. Um, 
Linda Larson. But her, uh, the actress's name is Saxon Trainer. Somehow love, or another, the shields are going to put up with that. I love every <laughs> word out of that man's mouth. Ooh, shockwave effect. Way before 1997 Star Wars reboot. Were they doing the rocking back, back and forth? Or was the whole set on No, nah, I mean... Oh, no, that's hilarious. Go back and watch that... Uh, what was it? Stratagema? The one, there was a, the one wacky episode where... Data had to play that game against the guy, and oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, he rocks completely the wrong direction from everybody else because he's the guest star and doesn't know what he's doing. And then, if you remember Silicone Avatar, you're talking about lady... that fat guy from Total Recall. Oh, beautiful, yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when uh, he uh, then there then yeah, Silicone Avatar when. Uh, Doctor, I can't think of her name. There's an actress that comes in and she uses a tricorder upside down in the scene. And I'm going, guys, how come nobody stopped her from doing that? Maybe she just hated it and did it on purpose. Stands a chance. I mean, there's letters on the damn thing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Look at at this sequence here with Riker and... (laughs) Barkley. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yep. It's funny yeah. that it's like Riker is such a savvy guy, but <laughs> he can still fall prey to the techno babble. I love this room. You have to be special to be here. Oh, you really do. Or you can be a special guest star. Oh, it's going to overload, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like, I love how they play it out like a big circuit. Yeah. Uh-oh. Boy, I can't imagine. It's just, we're going to be here for two or three weeks? Yeah. He's just getting exponentially smarter. <laughs> Not entirely. Look at his range of <laughs> well, ability. It, well, he is at least as good as Brent Spiner. I, I agree, but it, it like it, it's hard to displace from the A team because this is how he acted when Murdoch had to pretend he was sane in in any given mm-hmm. scene to like for to pull off whatever caper. <laughs> caper, what a great word! <laughs> the the best one he did was when he played the. Uh, uh, the the retarded kid <laughs> always playing with a yo-yo it was it was it was a, it was innocuously annoying and hilarious at the same time they never could do this now well uh um <laughs> george Prepard plays the old lady that is playing like the supposedly his mom in the wheelchair <laughs> yeah but he did pull this off in the 18 do where he'd, he'd get Shakespearean all of a sudden. I, I have a suspicion this man is classically trained. I'm going to look that up while we're chatting. Yeah, go for it, man. 
I'm just mesmerized by his performance ability. He's got to oh be classic. Look strange. at her re- reacting to this. Mm. Oh my goodness. Married to Wendy Fulton. You look at the uh, I'm looking at his com badge too cuz it's not usually depicted in such light. And um what we really can't tell because we never punch in on him hard enough is that they have a black highlight painted around the uh Starfleet sigil. So it's gold and then it's silver and then there's a black highlight that you can barely register and um yeah, he's I a, feel like it goes around the outside edge. He's a theater also. buff. Oh yeah, he has to be. Oh, this is that lovely moment. Oh, I I I want those, those cups. glasses. Are, we we need Those glasses are silly. We need <laughs> we need those for our future office. You've got a special cute little thing for it to rest in and then it's just those would be good whiskey sippers. Oh, maybe. But at least make us pay more. KJ and Jack, shrug it. Yep, KJ and Jack making their regular appearance. Hey, thanks for chiming in, KJ. KJ and Jack in the morning. <laughs> I can't. It's the dumbest joke, and I can't stop doing it. No, the little bastards really <laughs> are KJ and Jack in the morning. It's four thirty a.m. Someone's got to go take a shit, but. What I really want to do is bark at people outside that aren't there and wake up the neighborhood. Sorry, sorry, listeners. Check this performance. We were talking about this before we uh, started recording. He's just wooing everybody. Look how authentic he is. You can you can see the look of relief on her face that he's may or may not no longer be his her her um. Patient, she's excited. Yeah, right? She's excited for him. Look at that's a great performance through the arboretum. As your former counselor, oh, that is smooth as shit. When I was a kid, I would see. I, you would hear people talk about making a pass. Yeah. And that's how she says this later. And it's just not something people say anymore. Oh, he made a pass at me. Yeah. You always heard uh, some lady character in a show say something to the effect of... Um, it, it when She was always shocked or aghast because it was some buffoonish jerk character. Not, not, a, not a spaz kind of... Yeah. You know, not, not a character like Barkley. And um, so I always thought like, oh, well, maybe that's not something you're supposed to do. It's just the way that. It's just like we were saying, like, uh, it's the complete opposite of high school where in high school, the yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the the guy could have come up to her and be like, hey, nice dumper. And she'd be like, oh, you're so silly. And then they're making out in the car later <clears> on. But he could have come up to her senior year and said that exact same thing perfectly written and and just for her and she'd be like oh you're i'm so glad you're my friend 
And then the table's yeah. turn. So this gentleman here, I think his name is... I'd have to look it up again. John Knopf, perhaps? Um, playing Albert Einstein. He reprises his role as Einstein in the uh, Season 7 two-parter, Descent Parts 1 and 2. And uh, that was just a nice bit of... Like second casting, or I don't know what to call it. So cat, you know, recasting the same guy. So just a good continuity feature. But I will say, the makeup is well, it's a little too heavy. It's pretty wharfy. Yeah, yeah. Now, if I understand correctly, that schedule or that uh, equation they're working on is a legit equation. That they decided to try to put together. So if anybody was looking at it and they they wanted to uh, question its validity, they could. Is he to the point where he can't sleep? Um, probably, yeah. Most of the stuff on that blackboard was way out of my league. I like that. <laughs> well, at least he's questioning Instead of just falling into this, there's something up. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is the part where it bothers me, because it's like, Jordy, you got zapped by John Doe, and you have this whole new personal confidence. It wasn't anything that kept you from becoming the chief engineer of the flagship of the Federation, but... You can talk to girls now and make it work. And, like, Barkley doesn't get that. He doesn't get to have this. Like, nobody even second-guessed it. But here's... Reg has to go to sickbay. Because his, his, his issues are on... On the surface for everyone to see all of the time. There was a, a similar episode uh, that was more uh, horror-based in the X-Files where a uh, retarded man, his twin brother, was a um, uh, like a nuclear scientist genius and he died and infected the other side of his brother's brain. The brother was on the right side and the other brother was on the left. And they, they showed this a certain scene where he's writing uh, equations out on both sides of the paper with both hands. And uh, it was one of those scenes where it was just like, whoa. And that's what's happening to him right now, but without the horror, but except we're going to get a little bit more, um, I don't, I don't want to say scary. It's, it's, it's definitely suspenseful. Mm -hmm. the, the way like an Outer Limits episode would, would play out. <laughs> do we have to lock this I asshole I do up? love <laughs> asking these questions. <laughs> he did make a pass at me. Though, <laughs> look at Riker's expression. Oh, oh my gosh, one. everybody's... Look at his look. Look at him. He's like, are you kidding me? A threat. What do you mean? Better than me? <laughs> I, I know. I always love how... That's the beauty of their relationship, Riker and Troy. 
he just is amused, you know? He tosses it, oh, really? And, like, amused. And me, I'd, I'd be like, we had something. And now you're making light of it. Like, I, you know, like, these are people who can be colleagues. They can be friends. I would If I was Picard, I would have ordered someone to at least keep an eye on him. As opposed to just let him yeah. do his work. Just assign Data to keep up with him. Data's not even in the room. Does he? Is he running the bridge right now? What's going on? Petting his cat and learning I mean, how to play wanna... Minesweeper. Never learned how to play it. <laughs> I mean, you just team him up with uh, Linda Larson there, and he'll probably pay a lot of attention to her. She has cool hair. You go back to the first season uh, and you have all of those different chief engineers. There wasn't just one chief engineer. And uh, then they decided to lock it in with Jordy. And um, I don't know. I just feel like that's a really good... It was just... Uh, I, uh, it changed the show. Things are just getting intense. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they are. Sorry, I was I was completely it's engulfed kind of in a... it too, engrossed. Yeah. Um, I it's been a while since my, I've seen uh, this one. Oh yeah, like uh, did you realize looking at it when Jordy, uh, uh, when they did that push in on Jordy, that's a that's almost a standard aspect of or a standard cinematography move for this show. You know, something's happening, something's happening, and they push in on Jordy, make him look a little taller than he is because they come in from a lower lower angle and they're just like. Jordy gets front and center explaining how dire the situation is. They do it here. They do it again later in the series a couple of times. And then uh, you're going to definitely see it in Star Trek Generations. This is, some, this is some suspense. What? Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't at least let him know what he was doing. That's where he messes up. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Anytime, like, anyone's like, hey, I got a radical idea, this may work. Uh, okay, let's try it. Let's figure it out. Well, that's what I appreciate about, uh, I don't remember what, it might be a second season. Whenever Wesley went to, um, what was it, Starfleet Advanced Training or whatever, he's taking that test. And, um, uh, he met Mendon, the Benzite. No, you know what? I'm totally wrong. It was much later. There was the officer exchange program. Riker was on the uh, IKS PA, and uh, he met. Uh... Gosh, I can't remember everybody's names. Suddenly, he he was he was on the Klingon ship, and then they had uh, they had Mendon or Mordok. I can't remember which one of them. The one of the first two Benzite characters, and um, they were on the bridge 
oh, you know, blah, 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 this isn't that big a deal. And it was just one of those cultural difference things. Any one of these characters would just be like, <clears throat> yeah, we got to have a discussion about this before I go do something crazy. But because this was a an alien, he was just like, no, you know, I have to verify it and verify it before I let anybody know about it. This is the wacky part. This it is one is. of my favorite, my brother's favorite parts of this. Full blown, the whole idea. Lawnmower man. Can talk without talking. And his expressions. <clears throat> yeah. I'm afraid I can't do that, sir. <laughs> that is such a weird idea. I need more computer space for my brain. Uh, it makes perfect sense when you hear how the human brain can actually do it. I just lament the fact that we're in a time where we may or not ever f figure that out. You know, yeah. It's it's just odd to me thinking that the uh, the computer would have... He would need that extra storage space for the computer... For his mind in the ship computer when our minds ought to still be bigger than what they can make in the computer. But it's Star Trek, so we can keep going. Yeah, I mean, it's still all plausible, ultimately, because that's the best part of Trek. Plausible. Yep, can't let Barclay act as a computer, considering who plays the computer. That woman will go crazy. <laughs> He's not. I don't like how they're treating him like a threat without giving him a little bit, a little bit of a leeway. Let's figure it out. We've figured our way out of a million different things. Or if, man, I'm surprised Worf isn't like. Let's just let's just kill him. Let's shoot him. Yeah, let's just shoot him. <laughs> to me, it's a matter of like, guys. He's still a Starfleet officer. We need to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's definitely not doing this because it's in his own interest. It's he's doing this for everyone's best interests. What's up with this but costume? Yet, he's at in. a certain point, every time a character, I guess, oh man, you know what? I burned myself. We were talking about how they didn't recreate this episode. This episode could be recreated from Gary Mitchell. Uh, the uh, second pilot for Star Trek. Because they go to the center of the galaxy and in that episode and Gary Mitchell and uh, Susan Collins get zapped and become... They, they grow beyond the realistic probability of what humans can do and get superpowers. <clears throat> That's kind of what we're doing here, isn't it? It's what Minefield is all about, man. Yeah. Oh, those palm lamps. Those were run on some... Some C-cells. Does anybody ever get anything that has C-cells in it now? Uh, not in a store you can go into in the afternoon. <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> I'll, let that, uh, I'll let that one ride for people. Earlier you said, uh, can you imagine someone getting addicted to the holodeck? I'm like, yeah, Bordis. <laughs> from, from the Orville. No, I meant from this crew. I know, man. I'm just saying. It's the first thing that popped in my head. Could have been Riker. 
Riker could probably. What a great. We, we know what we're talking about. This is getting. Our minds are in the Jeffries tubes. <clears throat> we're on the jazz again. Whoa. Oh, you can see the little strap around uh, Riker's boot to keep his pants looking straight and nice fresh. And, nice and taut. Yeah. I like that Captain Picard has plenty to do in this episode, but it's really an episode that doesn't revolve around him nearly enough to make it a, a major Captain Picard episode. Everybody else has to, has to kind of solve this. Or am I completely wrong? Yeah, shut him up. I love that look you like gave the him. effects here. Yeah. The effect? I'll tell you what the effect's doing. It's pissing me off. <laughs> what a great set. 1984. 1985. 1985, sorry. What a great set. Yeah, it's simple, but it's... It, it she says so much because of the lasers. She's so bold. I wonder how many times they had to re-record this or did he knock it out in one swoop? Uh, ADR? No, that's definitely... You know, you probably do however many takes you need to. Three, six, something like that. And you're like, ah, oh, we'll figure it out. This sounds better here. This sounds better there. Probably on his own accordance. Nope, nope, nope. My, the, my, my tonality in this one syllable. Nope, there was a, there was a, there was a comma there. I mean, it's not Ed Norton in the uh, Incredible Hulk editing bay. Thank you for understanding my reference. Yeah. He was like on. You said we walked through minefields. Yep. Uh, we should uh, take that scene and just like overlap some really shitty German techno over it. Why does it have to be? Why does it have to be? Because shitty? It, if it's shitty German techno, it's funnier. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. If it's like the crappier the techno, and I know different genres of techno, it should just DM. be New Order's confusion. <laughs> nope, it's got to be sleazy German techno. Sleazy techno. Yeah. ODN relays? What? He's communicating with it, right? Um, he was 
utilizing ship systems in ways that they've never been able to imagine possible to try to draw them into this uh god i don't know why maybe it's a transwarp conduit or it might be a space fold I don't know why. Uh, why are you sending Worf down there in the middle of this? He needs to be at his console. But I guess that's the trust you can have in all of these other relief officers. I, I don't know, man. I think that was a direct order to go down there and shoot him. <laughs> yeah, take these two honchos. Whoa. Yeah, I don't no think offense. any... <laughs> that is just a straight-up force field. See, this, this is like the wormhole in uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture also. Blurry fisheye camera. Belay that torpedo <laughs> order. <laughs> Always ask for data. They're going to be vibrated to death. Different dimension. Oh, this is a beautiful, beautiful place they've gone to. Thirty thousand light wow. years. Pity something like this couldn't have happened to somebody on the Voyager crew. Awesome. They're basically meeting like some odd version of God, right? No, these characters are called the Cytherians, and they are explorers, but instead of going out into the universe with starships, they bring other species to them. He's got third eye technology, that's for sure. Yeah. Hierarchical collective command structure. So this actor performing as the Cytherian is K.E. Cooter, who was the uh, leader of the Rylos people in The Last Starfighter and Zur's father, who was the villain. Uh, he was, this guy was playing Zur's father. And um, gosh, he also shows up in Deep Space Nine in season one or two as the Shirah of... Uh, a group of Bajoran settlers who don't live on Bajor. What a great solve. Yeah. 
See, yeah, they're on the same mission. Oh, man. I, without hesitation, the second this happens, uh, Brig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't Brig know. Brig and... And story set up, get him off the Enterprise, let him show up two years again. How do you get back? Oh, he did really well in this. And now he's back. God, he's got a winning smile. <laughs> I like this effect, though. It doesn't look cheesy at all. And it was over. I know, it was really crisp. Ten days just talking to these aliens about their entire thing. You know? What's your whole deal? What's your planet like can we visit it uh that's awesome there's a whole story there you know what a terrible thing to lose yeah now that would have been a story to develop like his lamentations trying to get back to the intelligence he was at and the uh Limits he will definitely uh, surpass rules, morals in order to achieve that again. Yeah, I could see someone like yeah. him becoming obsessed with something like that if we're writing that story. Oh my gosh, I know they could have written him out of the series and say, "Yeah, the rest of his life he spent trying to find a way to reconcile what he was capable of." Well, I guess why not I'm even totally just make a wrong, whole damn movie about it, like where he I achieved know. it, or in, in but he's breaking some serious rules. I mean, like honestly, I'm not that schooled in it. But how surprised were you in Wrath of Khan that they brought back actual Khan and perfectly in line with the con uh, contingent story and making it even better? Something that I've seen that episode and it came off really silly to me. The way I imagine that this episode might have come off silly to some people to, if we did a story about this guy where he... Damn. I've always wanted one of those. <laughs> oh, you can get 3D chess. There are apparently rules that make very good sense about how to play it. Uh, no, I know what you mean, man. I One of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine. Now I figure, I guess, you know, hey, yeah, we they, they did do it again, didn't they? Oh, gosh. It's not the idea that someone, man, I'm totally wrong, and aren't I? It's just very frustrating to think that, like, I had it figured out initially. Yeah, they couldn't do this episode again. They didn't do this episode again. Somehow or another, it felt completely different every time I saw it. Yeah, this is a rehash of the first, or the second pilot for the original series, and then there is a uh, an episode in Deep Space Nine that I absolutely love called The Rapture. And uh, Captain Sisko encounters a Bajoran artifact that zaps him, and he can suddenly see everything the Bajoran prophets are trying to do, and he's so close to... He's like writing a whole new Bible that these people will study forever and ever and ever, and it will be all new prophecies and everything... And then uh, he starts to die because of it, because his mind can't contain the information. And then in the end, it comes down to, should they let him wake up one more time and try to finish it? Maybe he'll have all of the answers and everyone will be enlightened. Or 
do they perform this surgery and like let the pressure off and then whatever before his head explodes, you know? And it's just, oh God, just when he wakes up and realizes they took it away from him. It's just heart, heart, just heart stopping. It, it reminds me of uh, what might have happened if uh, John Travolta had lived at the end of uh, Phenomenon. Oh, yeah. I really liked that yeah, movie, by I the way. I that movie. <laughs> I hate it. You liked it. I like Kyra Cedric, man. I don't know why. Not a fan. Not a fan. Hey, Kevin Bacon uh, likes it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Takeaways. I don't know. Takeaways. Phenomenon. Yeah. Takeaway, I mean, yeah, like I said, Worf, who else would you do to this with this type of thing? You have to take somebody that's quantifiably the dumb guy on the ship. It's, but that's the crazy thing is that Barkley's not a dumb guy. He's got anxiety problems, you know? He's got disorders. Nobody else has that, do they? No. They they wrote that out of, of uh, Jordy, so... Nobody else is limited, so the opportunity to bring in a secondary character comes up again, and then they do it again, and he's got transporter phobia. It's just like, okay, this is the guy that's got everything wrong. It tur- So it turns out Barkley is a character submission uh, by a, non sh- uh, a non-series writer, and she was the, she, the, the, the lady, I'm trying to come, actually come up with the, the name here. Uh, it was all a matter of like uh, creating a character that was supposed to be a um, amalgam of Trekkies, people who have social anxiety issues. Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for uh, Reginald Barkley. So University of Rochester professor Sarah Hiley created her, him in her script for Next Generation called uh, Hollow Pursuits. She's a, he's a satirical depiction of Trekkies and their obs- excessive obsession with imaginary characters. I mean, he's a dork, but like that's the crazy thing is he, the the names for all those things have changed over the years because now it's a geek culture and we have freaking geek stores in the mall. It's not a it's not a it's not a derogatory term anymore. No, and it's not like a a badge. It's a thing for everybody. Everything that I grew up with that would that got me picked on and made fun of is now everything I'm, that everybody's that everybody's into. I'm you know? worried a, how long it's gonna last. I I don't know. I mean, it's it's like when you okay, sure, you've got Captain America in movies, you've got Star Trek movies that everybody can like, and you've got Star Wars is the hottest thing going, and then uh. And then they try it with something else, and it's to me, it's one of those things where it's like some of this is best when it's not everybody, you know. I do. I I feel like they, the Inhumans are characters that just don't need to be pushed into the forefront and stuff like that. Anyway, that's a whole other deal. That's Marvel stuff. If you don't know who the Inhumans are, that's because it bombed. It completely failed. It was one of the few MCU fails. So like. I don't know. I mean, like, the takeaway on this episode is much the same. I mean, this has always been one of my favorite episodes. Just dynamic imagery and 
just it's the it it's it, it says something that I don't want to tell you because I I want you to get there in your watching these in chronological order. And when we get to that episode, I'm going to say, remember when we watched the nth degree, and I wouldn't talk about this thing. But uh, for anybody else, uh, it's a it's a Q related thing. And I think if you understand Q and you've seen every episode with Q in it, you're gonna you're gonna know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, write me an email and I'll uh, explain it to you all. But Joshua has to ride the ride the wave. I love this wave. And right now, my takeaway for this is that of all the characters on the Starship Enterprise, he's the one I related to the most. And I yeah. I can only take him in doses because of that. There's only so long I can look into a mirror. And yeah. And I escape into fantasy like that all the time, man. Except he's gotten to live it. I would have gone mad with a obsessive, unstoppable obsessive desire at any means necessary to achieve that peak of enlightenment and intelligence. I didn't, I wouldn't have cared who I had to kill, what I had to do, what I had to steal or lie to to get that back. Um and I, I, for some reason, see that in his eyes, like, you know, that, that lamentation. And yeah, I, I can only take yeah. him in doses because of that. Like, uh, recording this, we, I can hear my voice, but it's in sync with everything. So it's not too bad, but having to like, when, you know, like you're at work and they make you listen to a recording of a call and you're like, Oh shit, I don't want to hear my voice. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, it, it just, it'll just drive you batty. But I really hope uh, everyone enjoyed this episode. This has been a lot of fun recording with you in this particular one. I've wanted, I've, I've had this in the back pocket for a while to suggest to, I don't know. I feel like this really recharged my batteries uh, from the past month because mm-hmm. October is always a really rough month for me. But, and I, I know you've had a rough month too. But even then, uh, this sort of thing is like I, I feel like episodes like this, comic books like this, stories like this, is a life raft sometimes. Uh, yeah, for real. I can't tell you how many times we have done a Star Trek episode in the midst of being really gloomy, and it just changes everything. And uh, almost always just completely energized afterwards. Um, we recorded Minefields the other night, and I was I was the most tired I've, I've ever been doing it, and... and uh, that's different. Some, something about being able to talk about Star Trek, it always reminds me of warmth and being, being comfort, being in the, in the company of comfort. And uh, I'm still looking for it. There's a meme that I've been trying to find for a long time, and I've said it again and again and again, and it's, uh, it depicts these characters, uh, you know, self-doubt, anxiety, depression, and uh, they're being mean to another another character and then somebody comes up and taps that guy on the bat on the shoulder and he turns around and it's it, it says star Trek and it reaches out and they're, they're hugging and then even anxiety depression and the other ones are like, are, are like smiling and it's just one of those things. I mean, star Trek will fix you and it's, it's, it's oh. so unfortunate to me that not everybody seems to want to understand that or see it. Just how it is. Well, even if it's not Star Trek, you at least find something on that has a parallel level of intelligence, fun, intrigue, mystery, um, some way of having some semblance of 
reality as opposed to like Star Wars where like the science will like you have to have a different god for that to work out. Um <laughs> kind of. And yeah. now we have this and Whatever it is that gets you to this point, whether if it's Star Trek, uh, let us know. Give us some uh, emails. Give us some feedback, whether you hated what we were talking about or if we were wrong in anything. It's uh, Colin and Josh at uh, MinefieldsComicsPodcast.com. And uh, we'll keep doing this until you tell us to stop because you, down- <laughs> you guys keep downloading and, and uh, we, we appreciate you. You got anything left, brother? No, that was wonderful. That was an excellent, excellent send-off. Thank you all very much, and uh, we will... Uh... We'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. That way. This is dangerous. Over and out.
Minefields, this is dangerous. Over and out. I love you, brother.